Good morning, family. It's so good to see you this morning. I know that we've had a busy time as a church with the GLS that happened this past weekend and just wanted to thank everyone that volunteered and helped and served. We had over 900 leaders from mostly our city that came and and area around that came and attended the GLS and uh, it was a really special time. And what makes it work and what makes it special is not just the presentations and the, you know, the, the, the things that are done here on the stage, but it's really the way people that are received that opens their hearts up, that just puts them in a space where they feel loved and feel that they can step into new places, and that's the work our community does. So I just want to say thank you for doing that and for being such a generous community. As Jill just said, uh, we've just get it said all the time. We had overseas visitors with us over this last period of time with the, the Faith Promise season that also just said, this community is so generous. They're so amazed by it. So thank you for being such a generous community and for volunteering and giving and just doing so many different things to make a difference in the world. I think you deserve a round of applause from yourselves. So uh, it's wonderful. Thank you so, so much for that. As we've been speaking over the last, uh, this year, we've been talking about the Disciples' Quest. It's been our theme for the year, and we've been really just asking ourselves and to look at Scripture and to say, what does it mean to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus that follows the Lord Jesus? And Lord, just help us again to make sure that we are doing that well and that we have got the right understanding and the right parameters in our minds. And uh, over the last two terms, we've been particularly zeroing in on this idea of how kingdom living is a big part of what it means to be a disciple and how we live as people that are citizens of the kingdom of our great and extraordinary king. And um, so today I want to continue on with that. And the, the title of the message this morning is Finding Food, Finding Food. And I want to talk about the food that we eat as disciples of the Lord Jesus. And it's this amazing food that does something supernatural and extraordinary in our lives. Finding food. But before I I get into the scripture that I want to just spend a bit of time around this morning, I want to talk a little bit about the the triangle. And, And you would have seen... The triangle around now, for those of you that have been at Hatfield for a number of years, you you would have seen the triangle all around and started hearing about the triangle, and we've been speaking about the triangle a lot. And uh, the triangle is a shape that we use to help us describe what do we mean by this word disciple. And uh, every now and then we'll talk about kingdom living up, in, and out. And whenever you are here up, in, and out, your mind must go to the triangle. Because the up, in, and out is, are the three corners of the triangle. And we, we've got this clever triangle that uh, we came up with. It's a, a Penrose triangle, which means it's a, if you look at it, you don't really know where it begins and ends. It's this three-dimensional flowing into each other. And uh, it, it's to tell us that when we are disciples of the Lord Jesus, when we follow the Lord Jesus, there are these three dynamics or three relationships that we invest in. And if we invest in them, we must invest in them in a sense equally. And as we invest in them, it's produced within us this momentum of the life of a disciple. So just to put it in a different way, a disciple is a person that wants to grow in their up, their in, and their out. Their up speaks about their relationship with God. I think we all would agree that you can't say you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, but you don't want to grow closer to Jesus. 
You don't want to grow in your relationship with Him. You don't want to be more impacted by Him. Because we're followers of Christ, we're seeking more and more of Him. We want to get to know Him better. We want to hear His voice better. We want to live more like Him. We want His Word. We want to understand His Word better. We want to live His Word more. We, we focus on up our, our, our relationship with Him. But a disciple does not only grow in their relationship with God, a disciple also grows with the, in their relationship in with the community of faith. So we, we talk about, we use the word in just to talk about our, that which sustains us in, in terms of the body of Christ. And we use the word the community of faith sometimes. A disciple of the Lord Jesus doesn't only love God, but they love their fellow brothers and sisters, fellow believers. They see the value in the relationships with fellow believers. They, they recognize that it's, Jesus said in John 13, verse 35, they will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. They, they, the, the, the scripture says that we must do good to the household of the faith first. They understand that, uh, that to love Jesus it means I love those that also love him and we share something in common and we live together in that sense. So they grow in towards their relationship with fellow believers. I think that includes, first of all, your relationship with your own local church, your own community of faith, where you belong to and where you're part of and where you're committed and people that know you and people that can count on you and, and people that you give the right to speak into your life and that you, that you have a local community of faith that you grow into, but also in terms of the wider body of Christ, that we recognize that this is our church and this may be where we worship God, but that the church is bigger than this. Ultimately, the kingdom of God includes the churches, all the churches, and we live in an amazing city with so many amazing churches that do amazing things for the Lord Jesus, and it's our privilege to partner with them and to support them sometimes and, and to have them support us and to work together because together we show who the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is, that He's such a, a gracious and big and awesome God that not one church can show the fullness of who God is. But that in a city, something of who God is can be made known because churches come together and work together and love and celebrate and appreciate each other. But a disciple is not only a person that, that grows in their up relationship or their relationship in with the community of faith, but also grows in their relationship out. And by out, we just, it's a way to describe those that are outside of the body of Christ. Generally, we would refer to people that are perhaps not followers of the Lord Jesus, that we relate with them also, that we also love them, that being a follower of Christ impacts my relationship with those people also. It doesn't just impact my relationship with God himself or with other believers. It has a direct impact on how I relate to those outside of the body of Christ or those outside or sometimes in the Christian world we'll use words like the world or the not yet saved or whatever it may be but people that are outside of our community of faith how do we relate to them how do we love them so a disciple is a person that says Lord I want to follow you and I want me following you to be effective or have an effect in all three of those major categories of my life my relationship with you, my relationship with fellow brothers and sisters in the faith, and my relationship with those that are not part of the body of Christ. Please impact me in all three of those things. And it helps us. I've, I've found it, I've journeyed with this triangle now for more than 10 years, and it, I find it helpful because I'll be honest with you, 
Every now and then if I just check up on myself and have some of my accountability times that I spend with other people and just as a disciple asking them to speak into my life, I become so aware that I, I generally can handle two of the three at the same time. But growing in all three at the same time really requires work from the Holy Spirit in my life. Many of us, for instance, have grown up in the church. We got, you know, our family used to go to church. It may be a different church, but church is part of our lives. We, we church people. We started coming to church from a young age, and at some point we've had our conversion experience, and we feel very comfortable in church and with church people. So to have a relation, to grow in our in is not all that hard for us. To grow in our up, it may also be something very important for us. But for some of us, it may be hard to grow in the out. To grow in terms of the relationship with the world. To be effective in the world. You may meet other people that, are, that love God and they love the world. They struggle with the in thing. That, you know, you get some Christians that, you know, they, they just look at people that go to church every Sunday and say, oh, those are just fat, lazy, comfortable Christians. They should be out there in the world every Sunday. They shouldn't be in church. And, uh, you know, these, those kind of people are up and out people, I would call them. Have you ever heard somebody say something like that? Have you ever said something like that? You know, and we, so, so it generally seems that for many people, they are either up and in or up and out or in or out. You can categorize it differently. But it really takes the work of the Spirit in our lives. And our intentionality to say, Lord, I want to grow in all three areas of my life. I don't want to just be an up and in Christian. I don't want to just be, a, and, and that's sort of my heritage where I've come from. I realized at a point in my life a number of years ago that I was an up and in Christian. I wasn't really, I mean, I prayed for people in the world, and I was concerned about the world, and I sort of, you know, it, it all good and fine, but as far as my direct involvement, I thought, I'll leave that to other people. I, I'm not too worried about it, because, you know, I worked in the church, I'm every day with church people, so I, up and in's great. And then, then the Lord had to challenge me and say, well, if you want to be a disciple of mine, up, in, and out. What are you doing in terms of Out. Now, you may be in a different space, but we're just trying to say this idea that as disciples and followers of the Lord Jesus, we think the Scripture tells us clearly, we've got to grow in all three of those areas. And to be a follower of Christ is something that you do intentionally. It's not, some, it's not a passive thing. You're not going to be a great follower of Christ because you sit on your backside all day long and just wait for stuff to happen to you. The word follow means to pursue. That's why we talk about the disciples' quest. It's a front foot thing. It's, a, it's something that you say, Lord, I want this in my life. And therefore, I'm going to lean into it. I'm going I'm to seek to grow, to be a follower of Christ. And as we do that, we see certain things produced in our lives. So today, what I want to do is talk about being fruitful in those three areas and how do we construct and have a life that contains the possibility of us being good up, in, and out people. I should say that with that emphasis for me, up, in, and out. For some of you, it may be the emphasis is different. You may be in and out, you're good at, but you struggle with the up thing. How can we grow in all three of those areas? And I want to take us to the word of the Lord Jesus in John 15. 
um, very well-known portion of Scripture, and it was so beautiful this morning as I got to the South Church, and it was wonderful this morning, Mika, with some of the choir from here, they, they've joined a choir together with the South Church, and they actually led the worship there this morning, and we had some of the, one of the prophetic teams from here is also at the South Church doing prophetic ministry with the grade sevens that are moving over into the youth space, and uh, it was just such beautiful togetherness this morning, and as we were praying together, um, in the in the, the service, the guy, the one of the uh, shepherds at the south that was leading the the prayer, started reading John 15, and then it's always wonderful as a preacher when you go, okay, at least you know um, I may be possibly hearing the Lord today, and uh, so John 15 is this beautiful portion of scripture that where Jesus talks directly to us about what it means to be a disciple, and we're praying busy about next year and starting to prepare for next year, and we felt that John 15 is a is going to be a key portion of Scripture for us next year, actually, to spend time in. So this is just a little bit of a seed that I'm planting now, but we're really going to spend time in, in this chapter for next year. But I want to take you to verse 8 of John 15, where Jesus says this very important statement to his disciples. These 12 guys that were closest to him, that were following him, that spent the most time with him. So they were sort of the 12 that if we look at them, we say, well, if I want to know what it means to be a disciple, I look at them. Because Jesus instructed them. And uh, Jesus says this to them in John 15 verse 8. This is to my Father's glory. In other words, this is what gives my Father pleasure. This is what gives my Father a sense of that everything he's doing is worthwhile, if I can put it in very human terms. That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Showing yourselves to be my disciples by bearing much fruit. How many of you here today say, I want to show myself to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. I don't want to just talk the game. I don't want to just believe the right things. I want to show that I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus. I, I look at my own life and how disappointed I can get with myself, how frustrated I can be with myself when I fail at showing that I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus. And, and I'm, I'm sorry to say it happens more regularly than what I would like to admit. That I can so fail at showing myself to be a disciple. The other day I was waiting for one of my children coming from some place. And uh, I was parked in, a, in somebody's entranceway with big signs that says, don't park here. <laughs> Confession. And uh, I was parked there. But I, I rationalized it and said, well, I'm in the car. You know, I'm not. I'm, if they come, I'll move quickly. And as sure as anything, the person came. And uh, as they pulled up here, I was in their driveway. And they wanted to go into their driveway. So they were quite irritated by me being in their driveway. So my rationalization didn't really help them. And they went to town on the hooter and just, you know, made it known that I was now really upsetting them. And unfortunately, instead of it creating in, within me the biblical opposite spirit response, I got irritated also. And I didn't say or do anything, but you know, I drove off in a way that made it visible to that person that I was now irritated with them being irritated with me for parking in their parkings, you know, in their driveway with the big signs that says, don't park here, please. How many of you know that later that day I had a confession session? 
to the point where I actually drove to that person's house and wanted to find them to go and say, I am so sorry that I did that. I couldn't, so I still live with, so this is my public confession. Somebody please say that I'm forgiven so I can get rid of, but don't we all experience that? We feel so terrible when we know our actions haven't measured up with what we proclaim. And it is one of the biggest struggles of, that people have with Christian people in this world, that we proclaim such lofty things, yet so regularly fail to live up to it. And I don't know if it helps that Jesus says, the Father will really be pleased if we show ourselves to be His disciples. Not tell everybody, not write great books about it, but just show people. And we show people by the fruit that we bear that we are the disciples of Christ. So I find myself in this place where I say, Lord, I want to bear fruit for you. I want to bear the fruit of the kingdom. But then I, I find it very hard because if I start looking at the fruit of the kingdom by looking at the life of Jesus, I'm left feeling completely inadequate. Thinking, I'm going to get some of it right some of the time which actually just makes it worse. Because I'm not going to get it right even most of the time. No matter if, how hard I work at it, no matter what effort I put in, no matter how you know, I, I'm clear on what the Scripture says, man, I just don't get it right. Particularly if Jesus is the standard. He's the one that ultimately pleased the Father. I look at Him and I go, oh, Lord, I just don't know if I can do what you did. It's challenging, isn't it? I mean, this morning, wasn't it so precious? How the Father so gently spoke and said, there may be ground of forgiveness that you need to yield. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to be a follower of Christ. It's hard to yield to His will. It so goes against our nature and our abilities. But yet, this is what Jesus says, my Father will be pleased if you can show that you are my followers, Jesus says. In other words, if, if people can see that you've been with me because you act like me, because you bear the fruit that Jesus bore. I go, okay, Lord, that's great. I really would love to do that. But the problem is me. How do I get that right? How do you and I get it right? Because I'm sorry to say to you, I, I just don't think I'm speaking to perfect people this morning here that get it right all the time. I know many of you. <laughs> and you know me. We fail. So what hope we have? But then it helps to read the rest of what Jesus said and actually what he said before he made this statement about how do we please God by bearing the fruit of the kingdom. In John 15, 5, he says the following, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus says, you want to please the Father? Then bear the fruit of the kingdom. You want to bear the fruit of the kingdom? The only way you can do that is abide in me. The word abide means to rest, to stay in. He uses the picture here for us to describe it by saying it's like a tree that has a branch. 
As long as that branch is part of that tree, is, abides in the tree, the branch will bear the fruit of that tree. If this is an apple tree, the branch will, wear, will bear apples. Not by its own effort or by its own cleverness or its own makeup, because the branch in and of itself cannot bear apples. But if it stays as part of the tree, it will bear apples. He says, if you cut the branch off, apples are gone. No more apples. You've never seen a branch. When you cut it off, it continues to bear the fruit on its own. It's dead. It stops. That's the picture Jesus gives us. He says, if you want to bear the fruit of the kingdom that will please my Father, then stay in me. Stay in me. Then the tree that I am, Jesus, that fruit produced by that tree will be born through you, the branch that is grafted in me. You will get the privilege of bearing the fruit that you cannot bear, but that only I can bear if you stay in me. Stay in me. Stay in me. Isn't that beautiful? So Jesus puts this high expectation on us, but he makes it highly possible because he says, and I love these words, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Not you could possibly wear some fruit. You will bear much fruit. You don't even have to think about it. You don't even have to, in a sense, you know, it will happen. If you stay in me, it will happen. Make that your expectancy in life. Make that, that, that which you say, that's how I want to live my life. I want to bear much fruit for the kingdom. And, and when you read the scripture, you'll see, and we'll, we'll speak about it in the future, about how pruning works and all of these things, so that we can have the joy of bearing much fruit for the kingdom. What is the fruit of the kingdom? Ultimately, the fruit that the kingdom wants and that God wants is for us to show other people what the kingdom is about, what the kingdom looks like. It's for others to come into the kingdom. It's for others to eat the fruit that we bear so that that fruit can be reproduced in their lives. Others coming into the kingdom is the fruit that God wants. My life must be lived in such a way that it causes others to experience the kingdom and to be able to come into the kingdom. That's the joy of our lives. But that's hard. How do we do that? Is that really what God expects of each of every one of us? Can we stand still there for a moment? Is it really right for me, if I could this morning, to look every one of you in the eyes? And would it be correct of me to say to you, God expects of you to bear fruit that will cause others to come into the kingdom? Can I do that this morning? Or would it be wrong of me? Is there a certain section of people that I can say that to with, with confidence, but there's other sections of people that I, I really can't say that to? I really wouldn't be right to say to you, God expects of you to bear fruit. Such fruit that others will come into the kingdom. That'll cause other people to give up on the lives they're living and to, to come in to make God their king. I think we would all at least in, in, in mental agreement come together today to say, every one of us, that's the expectation the scripture puts on us. That I will bear fruit. So therefore becomes a key question of my life. Lord, 
Am I bearing fruit? Am I bearing fruit? You will know a tree by its fruit. Am I bearing fruit? Are, are people getting to know you better because of me? Are people changing their lives and giving up on their lives to give their lives to you because of the life that I live? And if I say, no, Lord, then how do I press in? What do I need to do so that that can become the story of my life? And that's abide in the vine, up in and out. It's wonderful what Garth said in, in that announcement, how sometimes people go on an outreach, but it actually changes them more than what it does for anybody else. Because so often it's the out that reveals to us how far we have yet to go. And it gives us the momentum to go. And it becomes this wonderful relationship of up, in, and out in our lives. But I cannot be an up and in Christian. Just I love Jesus and I'm so thankful for what he's done in my life. And I'm so grateful for the community of faith that I have. And I'm so excited about the fact that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Praise the Lord. I've got to include and say, Lord, am I bearing fruit? And it's, I'm not, none of us are fruit inspectors here today. We're not judging anybody else's fruit. That's to each of us to say, Lord, I want to bear fruit. And Jesus was serious about this when we see it, the way he treated his disciples. In Luke 10, for instance, we read of this occasion where Jesus, having spent time with his disciples, not only the 12, but here we read about 72. So with others that he spent time with, he says, now I've instructed you in the kingdom. You've had some uptime. We've had some in time. Now it's time you go out. And we read in, in Luke 10, verse 1 to 2, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Jesus is saying, listen, there's a bunch of towns. In the next couple of weeks and months, I'm going to go to those towns. I need you to go before me and go to the towns and start telling the people what you've seen and what you've experienced. What it's meant for you to have met me, go tell them. So that when I get there, they're already attentive. They're already in a, in a positive mode that we maximize the opportunity. It doesn't help if I get there, that's the first time they hear about me because then they haven't had time to process and be prepared and then we'll, we're not gonna do a good harvesting job. But if you go before and tell them, then when I come, they'll be ready because the harvest is ready. People want to come into the kingdom. They just haven't had somebody come and tell them. The harvest is ready, Jesus says. And when Pastor Samir was here a couple of weeks ago with our, our, our missions conference, he spoke about this. He said how often we as Christians just don't see the harvest that is ready around us. But I think we don't see it sometimes, not because we don't see the harvest first, but because we don't see ourselves as workers first. Somewhere along the line, we develop this idea that I can be a Christian and a follower of Jesus, but I don't have to be a worker. And sometimes it almost feels like what Christian people do is they'll say, you know, I'm a follower of Christ. I love Jesus and I trust God. He's doing good things in my life and, you know, how he's changed my life and all that. And I read the word and it's all wonderful, but I'm going to pay somebody else to go and do the work, to go and bear the fruit outside. That's a bit hard for me. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know enough. 
I haven't studied theology or, or I haven't got a philosophy degree or apologetics behind my name or, or you know, I, I haven't prayed for somebody and seen a sick person healed yet or, or you know, I, I still have problems in my own life. I don't think I've got it all together. So I'm not a worker in the kingdom, but I, I'm so glad there are others that can do the work in the kingdom. And so we have people that become the professional workers. But again... I, think, I don't think Jesus is speaking here and saying the harvest is ready. Just If we can just get some more professional workers to go in, then we could possibly not let this harvest spoil. So literally the picture Jesus had was there's this wheat field filled with wheat and they're ready, they must be harvested. And you've got a week. If you don't harvest it within a week, it's gonna, those, that, that wheat's going to go rotten. It's going to be spoiled. So quickly, let's get some workers together so we can go in and harvest and nothing can get lost. But I th what he was saying was the workers are, is everybody that's already in the kingdom. The challenge is just, do I put myself in that place where I say, Lord, I'm a worker in your kingdom. Up, in, and out. I want to work in your kingdom, Lord. Perhaps I don't have what somebody else has. But I could work. I can take your kingdom with me. I think we see a great example in Jesus' own life of how he struggled in a certain time and yet God used him to bear fruit even when he wasn't ready for it. And I'm speaking of John 4. You know the story of John 4, where Jesus and his disciples were traveling, so they took a shortcut through Samaria. They wouldn't normally travel that way. They would go around, but because they just needed to get somewhere quickly, they went through Samaria. So, so Jesus and his disciples are walking. They get outside of a town, and Jesus says to his disciples, and you can read this in John 4, verse 6. He says, listen, guys, I'm tired. I'm tired because of the journey. I, I, I just don't want to go into town and speak to people. Can you guys just leave me alone here for a while? I'm going to sit at this well. It's the middle of the day. Nobody comes in the middle of the day to draw water. So if you just leave me here, it's a quiet spot. I'm just going to close my eyes for a moment, just sit in a shady spot and just recharge my batteries. Will you go get me some food? So they say, cool. Leave the rabbi. We're going to go off and get some food. So they go off into the town. Jesus is resting. Can you see? Here Jesus is resting. Now this is an interesting thought for us. Because literally what we, that the scripture tells us is that God was tired. God, the one who created everything, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one by whom all things have been created, for whom things, by whom all things are sustained, as the scripture says, Jesus Christ was tired. And this is an interesting thought, and this is very important in our theology because it's here where we see one of the occasions where you see the two natures of, of Christ come together. Because Jesus was both 100% God, fully God in his nature, and fully man at the same time. It's a bit of a mystery. We don't understand how that works together. We, we, we can't really sort of draw the lines where, you know, how did that fit together? But what we know is that Jesus was God and man all at the same time the God-man. And John, the writer of, of, of this gospel, particularly wrote to bring out for us the, the, the humanity of Christ. 
because it was by Christ's humanity that He was qualified also to die for us and for our sins. But here Jesus says, I'm tired. So it's almost like He's in that, in that part of Himself that is His humanity. And I hesitate to say it like that because it wasn't two beings inside of Him like, you know, God arguing with His man, with his man side, you know. Jesus saying, I must go to town. And then his man says, no, you can't go to town. And the God says, no, we've got to go to town. That wasn't what was going on. But in some way, Jesus was in that moment and he was just, I'm just going to be in my humanity. So the guys go off to town. While Jesus is lying with his eyes closed, a lady comes. A lady not of a good reputation. That's why she comes in the middle of the day to draw water. She also didn't want to speak to anybody. She also didn't want anybody to bother her. So here these two people that just want to be left alone find themselves in this moment. Nobody's prepared for any great earth-shattering kingdom event. Jesus is not looking for it. She just wants to be left alone. As she gets there, Jesus says, can you give me some water, please? I don't know if he did that with some intention or if that was just a normal social interaction, but very quickly their interaction something beautiful happens. And he starts speaking to her and he starts opening up to her secrets of the kingdom. In this very regular, everyday kind of event, the kingdom starts coming. So much so that we read in verse 27, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Because that's what it felt like. In those couple of minutes, she met somebody that made sense of her life for her. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. I'm sure one of the disciples looked at the other and said, is he playing games with us? He tells us he's hungry. He hasn't got something to eat. We go to town. We come back. He says, no, he's got something to eat. He hid food from us. What's going on? What happened with Jesus that just a couple of minutes ago, he was hungry, tired, weak. And now he says, I'm okay. I've been sustained. I've been fed. I've got food to eat that you don't know about. He wasn't talking on their level. He was saying there's food here, special food that you don't know. That when I eat of that food, it sustains me more than anything else can sustain me. Because isn't that what food is about? Food is one of the things in this world that, that we need, that we, that we crave, not only physically, but emotionally, we crave it. Food is something that makes us feel like everything's okay. There's perhaps sense to this world. There's, it's one of the things we live for. I, I recently, Natasha and I, we were in a part of the world where they eat Eastern food. And um, I'm so sorry, I, uh, you know, forgive me, because I know many people in our community, they love Eastern food and live, but... I wasn't blessed with that gift. Not only do I not like the spicy food, but the taste, it just, I, I struggle with it. And so we were living in this hotel, and that's what they served every day, Eastern food. 
And about six days in, the, we were there seven days, and the last night we were there, and I went to go dish food. And as I opened up that, you know, that lid of that bain marie, that cumin smell hit me, and everything in me went, oh, near. And it was like, my world doesn't make sense anymore. Life is terrible. I, can't, oh, I don't know, Lord. I thought you loved me, but I have to, you know, you know how sorry you can start feeling for yourself just because, you know, no, I wasn't even hungry. I was just not getting the food that I wanted. And uh, so I dished salad. I thought, okay, well, I'll eat some salad. Natasha and other people in our party, they were so excited. They loved the food. She loves food like that. So for my birthday, we go eat Eastern food so often because she loves it. And uh, I know something in that picture is not right, but that's how it goes. So, so we... They, they, I go and get some salad, and as I'm standing there dishing my salad, the chef comes, and she stands there with me, and she starts talking to me, just being kind and being nice, and she says, oh, have you enjoyed the stay here? And I've said, no, every day, because I know they just, they're really doing the best, you know, they're serving me well, it's not their fault that I don't like the food, so I wasn't going to complain or anything, I said, everything's beautiful, it's wonderful, but then I thought, hey, this is perhaps a moment for a little bit of small talk, and just to engage with her, and I said, you know, but can I can be honest, I'm South African, we love our red meat. I'm so looking forward. When I get home, I'm just going to have a piece of steak. That's all I'm looking forward to. And I'm, tomorrow I'm going to get home. I'm going to get some steak. So she says, oh, wonderful. And as I walk away, I realize she's a Hindu person. And I've just told her about steak and cows. And I'm like, oh, sorry, Lord, if I miss that moment. Oh, you know, I was, oh, how stupid of me. And I go sit down and I'm eating my salad, feeling a little bit sorry for myself. You know, just sitting there and everybody else is enjoying the food. And, and the next moment, the waiter is standing here next to me with a little plate. And he puts the plate down and there are four beautiful fillet medallions on the plate. And, the chef, and he says, compliments of the chef. She didn't charge me for it. She just said, just want you to feel, you know. And suddenly my world made sense again. <laughs> suddenly I had hope for life. Suddenly I felt like I can do this, Lord. I know you love me. You know, isn't it amazing what food can do for us? And, and I had an experience like that. And here Jesus says to his disciples first, I'm hungry, I'm tired, get me something to eat. They come back, he's ecstatic. He's got energy, he's got life, he's excited. He says, I don't need your food, I've got something else better than the food you can give me. What's going on? What is this food that Jesus ate? Because if I can know what this food is, then perhaps I've got a chance to do what Jesus did and to bear the same fruit as what he bore. Because if I can eat the fruit, the food that he had, then I can bore the fruit that he bore. What is this food that Jesus has? If we can just discover that secret. Fortunately, he tells us. Right there, he carries on, he says. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. To do the will of him who sent me. Didn't Jesus say to Satan at the temptation, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The scripture tells us, why do you spend money on food that will never satisfy? You see, this is our challenge. Jesus was these two natures, God and man, all in one. 
And we, since you and I have become followers of Christ, we have a similar thing that's happening inside of us. We live in this world and we need the sustenance of this world, but the food of this world will never satisfy us. There's a part of us that becomes hungry for something more. There's a part of us that hungers for the will of God, for the purposes of God, for God's kingdom. And no matter how much we have of the food of this world, the good things of this world, the, the sustenance of this world, the things that this world offers us to tell us that life's okay, life makes sense, there's purpose, there's meaning. No matter, no matter how much we have of that, we left wanting something else. Jesus said, the water that you drink of this world just makes you thirsty again. Come, drink from me. And the water I give you, you will never thirst again. You see, God offers us something. He says, I want you to eat the food of the kingdom. The food of the kingdom, interestingly enough, is not what you consume, it's what you produce. Very interesting. Because the food of the kingdom is doing the will of the Father. It's doing the will of the Father. Bearing the fruit that glorifies God. I can only bear the fruit because I've abided in the vine. So in a sense, when, when something happens in my life and through my life, God makes his kingdom known to somebody else. Somebody else gets to see how awesome, how beautiful, how loving God is. That is a result of a process that has happened in my life of having abided with God and having accepted and received his best. And through me, that gets produced into fruit. But that's the process of the spirit in my life and in your life. I wonder if you can stand with me this morning. This morning there's such clarity in the Spirit in this place. There's such, it just feels like we're in an open space where there's, they're not competing things but that the voice of God can clearly speak. So I want to pray and trust that you will hear the Lord's voice to you this morning. It really isn't my job or any preacher's job to create a space where you feel guilty, forced, But all I can do is to invite you and to say, there's a place where your life can have such purpose and meaning. But then you you can't, you'll not find that by eating the food of this world. You will only find it by eating the food of the kingdom. Doing the will of God. Whatever that may be. The Lord spoke today about forgiving That's a work of the kingdom. It may be about giving something to somebody. It may be changing your language. It may be changing your attitude. It may be giving an opportunity to somebody. Maybe starting to pay somebody what they should be paid. Maybe paying a bill that's outstanding that you haven't paid for a long time. And you need to pay that bill. Because you paying that bill is not just 
taking care of business on earth. It's removing any obstacles. So that nobody can point at a follower of Christ and say, they did not show that they were the disciple of Christ. We do it with the little things. I cannot guarantee you tomorrow that you'll sit at a well and have an amazing interaction like this. But if you and I live our lives and we say, Lord, I'm just yours in every moment. We never know what God can do with little moments and opportunities and relationships. So, Father, we just come before you today. We're so aware of our own weakness. We're so aware of our own failings. and That to show that we are your disciples is beyond our mastering, Lord. But we thank you that we can be draft, grafted into you. That we can abide in you and that you will do through our lives things that none of us would ever have ascribed to ourselves. That even our smaller actions, our everyday things, even our moments when we're just tired and want to be left alone, you can use for your glory. Thank you, Lord. Let us hunger for the food of the kingdom. Let us not try and fill ourselves with the food of this world. If you're disappointed, if you're feeling hungry and distraught, it may be that you've eaten the best that this world can offer and you still haven't found purpose and meaning. Then come, let us pray with you. Let us help you meet somebody that has the water of life and the bread of life that you can eat of and be satisfied. That you can bear the fruit of the kingdom and be sustained and find joy in Him. Lord, I pray that if there's any person here today that haven't made a decision yet to follow you, to give you their lives, I pray today for that opportunity, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray today that they'll step through but Lord, I also want to pray for perhaps people that are believers that say, I've given my heart to Jesus. But I want to eat the food of Jesus and do the work of the kingdom also, more than ever before. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, speak to us, guide us in that also. Thank you, Lord, for your great grace for us. If you need prayer this morning, there's such a sacredness about our time today. I think the best response, and I'm going to end the service now and you're free to leave if you want to leave, but I just sense you, you, you mustn't leave before you have a sense of this is what God's saying to me. So our worship team is going to continue to play and they're going to lead us in a song even as I end the service. And if you feel you just have to stay in a little bit in the Lord's presence and say, Lord, speak to me and get something clear in your heart and then you leave, please do that. We've got baptism taking place outside in the functions hall as we always do. And if you want prayer, as Pam said earlier, if you want just somebody to pray with you and you just feel like you're stuck, you can't receive this love of God, 
or you can't act and God is saying for you to do something but you find it so hard to actually do it let us pray with you if you're trusting God for healing for anything let us pray with you and stand with you we're a community that stands together Lord we thank you for your grace for us we thank you for your help and your guidance thank you for each person here each person's life and I pray Lord that you would help us to be workers in your kingdom and know the joy of doing your will. In Jesus' name, amen.